You're about to join Jerry Parker, Maritz Siebert, and Niels Kostrup-Larsen on their raw and honest journey into the world of systematic investing and learn about the most dependable and consistent yet often overlooked investment strategy. Welcome to the Systematic Investor Podcast Series. Jerry Parker, Maritz Siebert, and I, Niels Kostrup-Larsen, are delighted to be back with you this week uh, on another edition of the Systematic Investor Series, which is our weekly open-ended and raw exploration of the world of rule-based investing and where we also take some of your questions. So uh, good morning, Jerry, and good afternoon to you, Moritz. Hi, Niels. How are you? Doing very well, doing very well stateside this week, so enjoying some warmer climate uh, for sure. That's good. Um, yeah. Another week, of course, um, and um, a bit of action. I mean, obviously, a lot of political stuff going on in Europe this week and... Um, you know, the usual news flow from, from the state side. Um, kind of, uh, in a sense, quiet when I look at sort of the week-by-week -week performance, but it certainly, you know, doesn't mean that the individual markets were quiet, but just from an overall picture, it, I don't think much change on ours. I will get to that. Um, but um, why don't we just jump into it and see how it all played out from from our point of view um in this wonderful world of systematic trading um marge can i as usual just um start with you and um see how how things were were looking on your side sure um slightly down this week um think about a percent off and uh well it kind of like felt none of the positions that i had on really got any meaningful traction made some money on the equities because most of the indices that I trade uh, went down and I had a short position. But natural gas, that was a loser. Um, didn't make money on the bonds. It, the, the currencies, they didn't move that much with the exception of the British pound. Um, but so yeah, overall minus one. Like I said, there wasn't really one um, clear, nice trend that I, you know, I had in the last week. It's kind of funny because we were talking about it last week, where you know you had a good start to the month, and yes. and, uh, and 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 we were kind of the, kind of the opposite, uh, and and this week it's kind of the opposite again. Uh, you know, there we had you a go. Good month. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We had a good week, and uh, and as you know, some of the markets you mentioned certainly were were the drivers. Uh, you know, currencies for us were really the uh, where the action was um, in a, in a, in a positive way, but you know, short positions and equities. Um, uh, some equities, are, uh, you know, were uh, challenging part of the week. Even though I think yesterday might have helped a bit, and uh, and then of course we have the the lovely natural gas, as you mentioned, um, where there's always uh, action uh, going on, and uh, and certainly that had a influence as well. But overall, um, you know, an okay week on on our side, and uh, um, yeah, Jerry. How was how was the the second week of December for you as we head into the holiday season and hopefully maybe the markets will quiet down a bit. Who knows? Yes, the not a not a profitable week for sure. The uh, long stock, single stock positions, uh, treading water, not going down, not going up. Shorts, a few shorts are <clears throat> did pretty well. I do think they still uh, the same story. Um, any rally in the indexes are going to be sold. Welcome. Welcome the rally so we can sell them again. And I'm not a chart reader or um, <clears throat> don't know if you can pick up too much on that as 
it's a little, it's just discouraging or it's, um, or it's great if you're short. And so uh, it does seem that um, I have a small stock exposure long and short, but when stocks are down uh, materially, I'm pretty sure I make more money in long dollar. <laughs> right. So I always check the stocks first and thinking, okay, I'd like to see this rally, a uh, stop and start rallying again. But then I say, oh yeah, I'm making money in the, in the currency. So I guess mm. whatever. So a little disconnected there, um, what I'm rooting for <clears throat> and natural gas is dominating yesterday with a big uh, move about uh, three ATRs from my original entry point. So 50, 60 basis point loser there in just one market. <clears throat> so that was um, everything else is just boring and holding tight with the short commodities and um, bonds and knows, no, no one knows where you should, we, where the next bond trend is going to come from up or down. No, I mean, it has been one of those years from just from trying to memorize a little bit or looking back at sort of the monthly trend barometer update I do where I also look at sectors and I can't really think of any month. I'm sure there was maybe one, but mostly it's been like, uh, and this this tracks, you know, the, the markets in 10 different sectors. And I th for the most part, I think we've only seen one or two sectors in a trending state at the end of the month um, at the same time. And so I, I definitely concur about the fact that, you know, you, you see one or two things happening, but for the most part, other parts of the portfolio is, is just doing nothing. And, and that's obviously an environment that is generally difficult for us uh, to deal with. I mean, we need a little bit more than just, uh, you know, one or two markets uh, to, to, to carry the, the, the performance, that's for sure. Um, one thing that, I mean, I think it's interesting for for for. Oh, hopefully, I ho I hope it's interesting for people to to uh, to listen to this period as well, just to see the difference between you know three trend following approaches, where um, you know it it certainly seems that we we are, we're performing differently at times, and and so not all trend following is the same. I think that's the message I wanted to get across, and also when we look at the trend following world. Uh, and even though I think um, we all feel it's been a difficult year uh, performance-wise, um, it doesn't mean that all trend followers are down this year. I mean, it very much depend on time frame, very much depend on the markets you have in your portfolio. And this is one of those years where, where uh, just a few differences can make a big difference in performance. And and it kind of spurs my, uh, you know, my my interest in in a year like this is all is always, you know you know what's the that what's the background and is there anything we can learn from it and i think this year is certainly when when we look at it i think it's one of those years where the optimal look back period so to speak um is very different uh than than the longer term uh, average and and it's somewhat shorter meaning you know the the optimal look back period is 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 less than 100 days it seems right now uh, which is on the on the shorter horizon in 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 compared to what what we look at, uh, for sure, um, and um, and that may explain why many of the medium to longer term trend followers have have had a difficult time. But maybe people who've had just kind of the right set of of uh, look back periods in their model um, could have a, a a decent year. I don't know if this is something you've 
thought of uh, in your own sort of analysis uh, or, 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 or noticed anything uh, similar uh, in, in your strategies uh, so far this year? I haven't analyzed it, but I'm not surprised by, uh, by what you're saying. Um, certainly, you know, one of the reasons I'm down is because I'm trading longer term than the time period that you just mentioned, longer yeah. term than the 100 days at least. Um, so if it's been working better below 100, say between 50 and 100, I need to have a look at that. I could actually find that out relatively quickly, just, you know, playing around with a couple of lines of code, but um, sure. I haven't checked that yet. Good, no. good idea. Actually. Well, if you do, it would be interesting to see what you find. I mean, it could be driven by uh, also, you know, market allocations that, you know, you have the right com commodity markets. I mean, clearly sure. people who you know, people who nailed net gas, I mean, they mm -hmm. would have done really well in oil. some months, right? Yeah, or crude oil, yeah. Sure. What about you, Jerry? Any thoughts? That's uh, an exercise we have done over the years. Um, <clears throat> we trade longer term and... We trade multiple longer-term parameters, so but I feel like that they are very correlated, but not so much over a short period of time, like a year, and then not so much when you look at the profit and loss generated by those systems. So every system is long uh, natural gas, for instance, or a, a big uptrend, uh, since there are none of those, let's say every system is short coffee, and it has a hundred percent correlation, and then all of a sudden, when coffee gets exited, we get out the different breakouts or moving average. Uh, they'll start kicking in, and then if it will be much different P and L for each of those systems, even though they're very highly correlated mm. using a traditional measure. But so yeah, and then we will look at uh, sectors as well. And I don't, for instance, I'm pretty sure. We looked, we looked at shorts last week, and I think over a long period of time, they our shorts haven't done very well, no. and the grain markets haven't done well. <clears throat> so trend following is bigger than uh, – it's, it's a separate subject than CTA diversified programs, but it, most people feel like it is better to trade multiple systems with lots of different markets, and uh, that's why we all have all gravitated towards – pretty diverse portfolio, <clears throat> but uh, small changes and small differences and allocations and parameters can yield uh, big differences over a short period of time. Yeah. And then, of course, I mean, as we know in our industry, there has been, at least from time to time, this uh, tendency that you know, maybe to overcome some of the shortcomings that we know trend following will have. I mean, then people start adding completely different systems into their uh, overall programs, which changes the profile, but it can be difficult to spot that until, you know, you either have a really bad period for, for pure trend or you have a really great period for pure trend. And then suddenly there's a group of people who you start thinking, you know, why are they performing so differently? So, I mean, so that that's something people should be aware of uh, as, as well if they, they look at this space. Um, so, yeah. Well... Interesting discussion, and maybe we'll pick it up uh, if you, Moritz, find anything uh, of interest on that. But um, why don't we? Um, I don't know about trend changes this week. Not that I've, I haven't spotted any particular sort of things in that category. Um, and um, but I would love to hear a little bit about the world of of Twitter, especially your world of Twitter, Jerry, and see how um, how that 
evolved over the week? Maybe there was more action on the Twitter side than there was in the markets. Who know? Yeah, Twitter <clears throat> um, can't get rid of it. Uh, it's such a big part of our life and mine, and that's fun. And I learn a lot from uh, reading and following other people. Uh, this week, I have a couple of tweets. I, I won't go in order, but uh, so I won't get too confused because there's a lot out there. But um, <clears throat> my sure. one of my favorite ones was one that I just popped out of my head. And I've said this before, and I think it's uh, an interesting thing to think about and debate. Um, and maybe I got this from the uh, Opalesque article, which we'll also talk about, mm -hmm. was I'd like to see our whole industry, you know, I've said this before, change and to be, uh, well, here's what I wrote. CTA trend following needs to move out of the alternative and into the mainstream Real Crisis Alpha is using a trend-following strategy on the entire portfolio, especially stocks. And I've talked about this before, but for some reason felt the need to put that out there late at night. Um, and you know, a lot of people like that, and I think that's sort of the future. Uh, we're not a 5 or 10% add-on. We need to take our great systems and trend-following and apply it to lots of markets, and especially portfolios that are mostly equities, um, or even maybe all equities, that's where we're going to actually help people and add value um, in a material kind of way. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a definitely an interesting uh, topic and um, something that I think the three of us, and I'm sure a, a few more people will continue to um, to bring up. Um, so what about you, Moritz? Did you, uh, did you have any thoughts about that particular tweet and thought that Jerry brought up? No, no, not really. Um, I haven't been that active on Twitter this past week, I must admit. Um, so not much to add there from my side. Sure, sure. What else got attention in the social media world, Jerry? I definitely saw a few that was very, uh, very popular from you. Yeah, another thing that I've seen in a couple articles this week was the idea of market timing and it doesn't work, nothing, um, certainly fundamentals, many articles about how fundamental value, the yield curve, uh, <clears throat> inverted yield curve, not good uh, signals to time the market. And it sort of got me thinking, there was an article in the Economist magazine uh, that talks about uh, market timing and that stuff. But I guess I was just wondering, like, I don't think what we do is market timing, you know, we're not good at timing since 60% uh, of the trades, they're about are probably losers. So we're not really good at the timing aspect. And I'm using maybe semantics a little bit, but just trying to, uh, you know, how can you have something that's kind of a low success rate, but yet makes money? And I think it's just important that when we see these uh, death crosses or breakouts or new lows, um, <clears throat> this, these are good uh, bets to take with your portfolio. Um, in a systematic way, but it doesn't mean that it's likely to be correct. Um, <clears throat> I think that the market looks weak, every rally gets sold, it probably doesn't mean a darn thing other than your short system uh, that you're using on this on the S&P index or whatever stock index, you should do that trade and over time it's going to work out well for you if you do all those trades in all the different markets. but. Uh, we're not really a market timing tool, and we don't think 
probably timing works any more than anyone else. It's not a contradiction or it's not, it's makes perfect sense to me that timing mechanisms and systems are two different things. Do you think that this is part of the problem um, that people do look at us uh, for some sort of timing because obviously they look at us um, getting the timing right when it comes to uh, providing negative correlation to equities when equities go down. So I, I wonder whether that's part of the problem um, that maybe uh, a lot of people, because we're systematic, think of us as you know, you know, trying to to time the. The markets, in some sense, you know, from from long to short, um, and and therefore, you know, ideally should get um, or be able to provide this crisis alpha uh, when when people need it. But in reality, as we're saying, and, and as you just uh, said, we get things wrong most of the time. So we're clearly not good at timing, um, but we are. What we are adding is 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 you know the discipline process and all of those things, the diversification and and these things which which is what makes the money over time and and again i heard a a fascinating uh, conversation i think it's a little bit old uh it was a podcast of um uh, it was patrick o'shaughnessy's um, podcast where he was interviewing one of his friends um called ted sides who is actually the guy who made the first bet against warren buffett so he was the one who picked five hedge funder funds uh, to compete against the S&P um, uh, over this 10-year period where the S&P eventually ended up making um, the most money. But but it was, uh, you know, a very interesting um, discussion um, between that. I've kind of forgotten exactly what point I wanted to make with that. But um, but yeah, so so timing, we're not good at that. But we are, yeah, I think that was really the point. What he, he was saying is that one of the things that he felt having to you know, certainly had some interaction with Buffett was that what he really brought to the table, what, you know, where does his quote unquote alpha comes from in the long run was not timing or anything like that. Um, I guess you could say that he's bought a lot of Apple recently and that doesn't seem to be great timing after, you know, that dropping 35% from the high, but it's the discipline that he adds to, uh, you know, that he has in his approach over so many years. That's really where his quote unquote alpha comes from. Don't very much agree resonates with any of you yeah yeah and and for this uh i'm not sure about the name ted tidies that was bad timing for him to have made that bat in uh, i think 2008 or 2009 whenever they made it that's true even though he felt at the time that it was great timing i mean he felt mm -hmm. that the s p was overvalued and and let's not forget i mean the s p started by dropping 54 percent after the bet was made so he was you know he was up along for for a long period of time uh, it took years before the S&P got back into the yeah. to the lead but um but then of course the, the 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 way buffett i think ended up spinning it was um well the high fees in the hedge fund industry uh, clearly you would never be able to beat the S&P so that's yeah. a different debate um but you're right i mean it's all about timing and and clearly um you know after I think it's. I think the bet started uh, January first, uh, two thousand and eight, um, and uh, so of course after a year and a half, um, the, the, this massive bull market uh, started, and it's been on a on a tear until recently. And, and I must say, I mean, I'm so so happy with my timing of being forty percent right, 
60 <laughs> percent that's right that sounds but <laughs> you know those 60 percent they tend to be relatively small but then also don't forget i mean there are people out there i'm sure they have uh you know better win ratios um but maybe hidden risks in their performance streams uh you know a longer left tail and then what we don't know is what are the what are the the win ratios of some of the dis- discretionary traders um you know they can measure them so maybe Maybe a 60-40, like it is for us trend followers, isn't that bad compared to a stock picker. Maybe that guy is 70-30 or something like that, even worse. Right? 70% wrong, 30% right. It just shows up in bad decision-making and, you know, but, but, yeah, trying to but, uh, I mean, yeah, But also, as you said, uh, Moritz, which is very true, of course, I mean, even if you had more winners, I mean, if you lose a hell of a lot more on your losers, it's not going to help you to uh, exactly. to get to that result. So, uh yeah. yeah. Any thoughts, yeah. Jerry? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I tweeted something late at night, something along the lines of, um, I'd l- I want to make, I, I want to be f- profitable with the lowest sharp ratio possible. Yes. And uh, I think that, and people, I think, uh, took mercy on me and said, boy, I could come back with something on that. Like, it looks like you're trying to actually accomplish that. You're losing money with a very low sharp ratio. So they were nice and they didn't hammer me. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it gets back to this hidden, there's hidden things going on in track records or in systems that show themselves uh, and that really unfortunate little bombs ready to explode. We've talked about those. And uh, the sharp, what's driving the sharp for someone like a trend follower is usually going to be profitable trades. Trades that have no chance of uh, hitting your stop loss. You've been in them for months or years, and they're going to be huge monster profits. You're crushing it for the month, year, week, every time frame, and you get back a lot of profit, and you end up having great performance. So that is what uh, is going to make us have a low sharp, this 0.56, whatever is typical for trend followers. So that's, you know, uh, that's perfectly great uh, because we don't have these hidden bombs that are going to go off and explode. Uh, but then I think I wanted to say that um, you're talking about Buffett and 50 years of following his approach is just so powerful. I know when I first started trading, that was one of the ideas that I was told is that, you know, we have a positive game. We'll eventually win minimum boldness. Do whatever you need to do to stay in the game. Keep trading Keep doing the trades. Trade smaller if you lose. Uh, <clears throat> it's very important to uh, be able to do the trades, stay in the game, and not hit a critical drawdown. So this is probably what it's a good part of what Buffett uh, made him so successful is that he did what it took to stay in the game for 50, 60 years, ever how long it is. But then I also read an article this week that um, was somewhat humorous that he, uh, the guy was listing the, the characteristics of Buffett in the early years a one-man shop, um, you know, no, no, no institutional quality, no one helping him. And the point of the article was none of us would have invested with this guy because he didn't fit the mold, didn't look like, you know, someone we should invest in. So I think that maybe has some trend-following uh, similarities as well. <clears throat> uh, long periods of losing trades, um, doing something like so goofy is just going with the trend, trading commodities on the short side. Uh, yeah. Don't, this doesn't look like something I should invest in. And then, you know, 20, 30 years later, you know, the track record looks pretty darn good. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. 
And uh, and I think also, I mean, I can't remember exactly when this uh, conversation that I was listening to took place, but uh, but I think the other point uh, he made was that actually, if you look at at uh, Buffett, I mean, he hasn't actually, I mean, he's underperformed the the S and P, I think, for the last you know eight out of ten years or whatever it is. I mean, so it's not like he can walk on water either. Um, and I think all the other points that you brought up is is you know is is perfect. It's it's about you know framing these things and 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 you know in in a bigger picture and you know if we all had to have all the right qualities from the beginning uh, like i'm sure we didn't have uh, you know when when bill don started out and so on and so forth i mean nobody would you know would ever start a business but there are people who are crazy enough to say well you know i i can make this work and uh, and but time and persistence um, you know is is a very important ingredient in those early years any other tweets? I hope there is some more tweets. Oh yeah, there are absolutely. To, uh, to dive into uh, and this is an article I liked a lot. Um, Morgan Housel has a Thursday Friday uh, <clears throat> on his website. He lists Thursday and Friday or Friday uh, things that caught his attention, and I'm pilfer a lot of great uh, articles from that site. Uh, collaborative fund and um, the title of this one was rational versus reasonable and the quote is most investment models maximize for risk adjusted returns but in the real world every investor wants to maximize for sleeping well at night and being proud of themselves in a complicated world aim to be reasonable instead of coldly rational and of course i love that i think um we you know to some degree it, it says lots of things to me Making money frequently. Uh, don't worry about the uh, the drawdown so much on a very positive trade. If the back test and systems say to take small losses and <clears throat> let the profits run and not be too eager to get out, which I think it does, then don't even worry about that drawdown that you're going to have on a very very profitable trade during a very profitable time. It's about making money. <clears throat> it's about making money frequently. Uh, the trailing 12-month rate of return, making that you know, positive 90% of the time or as high as you can get that number. Because uh, in the real world, um, this is what people care about, not sharp or not even really drawdowns too much, as long as it's a reasonable number. Trading more equities, I think um, I can always figure out a way that almost anything anybody says will lead me to that conclusion. Uh, more single stocks, um, you know, people like them. That's what they want to invest in. Uh, yeah. We find ourselves out in an alternative land, getting five or ten percent, and then saying something about we can help with crisis alpha. We need to um, use our trend following models in ways that we can help the most amount of people. Have you given that um, uh, viewpoint and belief that you have, Jerry? Have you changed your allocation to stocks within the program a lot over time? Because this has become more and more kind of your, I'm not saying it is, but if it was more and more your sort of core belief that people should have more single stocks, et cetera, et cetera. How, how has that sort of been reflected in your own uh, program over time? Well, I've traded the single stocks and I've, uh, <clears throat> chosen a fixed uh, portfolio of stocks 
and trying to mm-hmm. keep it as fixed as possible. Companies come yeah. and go. And I chose those stocks to try to get the maximum amount of diversification. So optimally, I'll always have some shorts and always have some longs and maybe in some tough periods like uh, October, especially, you know, I've definitely had shorts. So I think uh, for all the, we, you know, our goal would be for all the sectors to have as many different markets as possible. And our portfolio weightings would reflect that. I don't believe necessarily that I am in favor of trading more stocks, uh, quote unquote, unless it makes sense. Um, in you know how much diversification am I going to get from these stocks? I think for, to a large degree because there's a thousand out there, and there's yeah. probably in general. I mean, all, for all practicality, fifteen commodities we trade. Right, the soybeans and the meal—they're probably the same thing. Crude, in, heating oil, unleaded—kind of the same thing. So if we just boil it down to the unique drivers of performance, it's probably fifteen. Let's say. True. Um, but I'm pretty sure that if my universe of equities is 1,000, I can probably find a little bit more diversification in the stocks. So that would, from a pure math point of view, I'm going to trade the stocks maybe a little bit bigger than the commodities or maybe a little bit smaller, but around right around that same amount. So I'm getting quite a bit of diversification from the single names if I can put my mind to uh, getting the single, creating a universe, a portfolio of single names that are different. Uh, so just... To, now, of course, we also have periods where stocks crash and all my diversification goes away. But I think it's similar in currencies, commodities, and interest sure. rates as well. So to some, I don't think we need to – we can still stay within the mathematics and the, the <clears throat> analysis of the markets and correlations and probably increase our stock exposure if we trade single names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, great stuff, great stuff. I'm sure there are more tweets, or I'm hoping there are some more good points that you... Uh, I know we haven't even gone to the... Or maybe we have, but the article you mentioned earlier, there was a the article, the Obelesk article, where you had some um, thoughts and comments as well during the week, um, as far as I recall. Yeah, I'm just building on that. Um, one of the yeah. quotes from that article was... Uh, maybe something like CTAs. Uh, oh, here it is. I think some CTAs have cheated on their base models a little and added more equity exposure. It was either door one, go out of business, or door two, choose to get some better returns. My response, respectfully, of course, actually, <laughs> of course. actually door three, more diversification, smoother returns, which is what I just got finished saying. You should add market stocks, whatever, <clears throat> uh, to the degree, Chinese commodities, that's hopefully one of these days, right? <clears throat> so whatever the markets are, we include them, we size them, we weight them in our portfolio to the degree that they improve diversification. Not uh, There's no way f- for door two to be correct. We choose to get better returns. I know ahead of time that if I trade more equities, I'm going to get better returns. That's beyond my capability. I, if I If it was part of my capability, I'd find it difficult not to have traded 100% equities uh, versus just cheating a little bit and having a little bit more equity exposure. So I don't really think that made a lot of sense. I do think um, in order for us to get out of the alternative space, provide more value for people, move the needle in a positive way, it's obvious that we can do that by trading a little bit more equities, single names, huge mistake over the years, to relegate ourselves to index trading only. Um, 
we're missing out on a lot of diversification. And of course, people like stocks. Uh, let's give people what they want. But yeah, I was a little ticked off by that uh, that quote. Yeah, it's kind of a yeah. yeah. I thought also. I mean, when you use words like that, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, we're here to make money for our clients, and we we choose the best path that we that we believe in. So it, you know, to use a word like cheating is 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 kind of uh, a bit odd uh, in in my opinion. Um, did you read the article as well, uh, Moritz? Yes, I read it. Uh, I read that part of it at least. I haven't finished the complete okay. article yet because it's a couple of pages. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've I've heard that before that some CTAs um, maybe have added more more equities to their program. I there's no proof for that. At least I can't prove that. I'm not sure if it's true. Um, if it if it were true, that's their choice. Um, like you said, I mean, cheating is a hard word there. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm trading the equities in the same way as any of the other markets. And I'm trying to give them about the same risk, uh, contribution as all the other markets. So, um, so I just, I, I don't make that distinction. No, no, no. And I think, so. you know, adding, um, and another way of putting it is, uh, whoever, not me, but let's say that some people have traded more equities, uh, Good for them. They traded the best markets, the best trends. This whole right, idea right. that we need to root against equities, we need to root against a certain sector or markets that's having a great move uh, that could is just makes no sense whatsoever. Once again, it's just rooted in uh, we're going to go for five or ten percent. It's this crazy marketing strategy that we're going to put us in a traditional portfolio if, uh, so we can help with you. you know, we're, we're giving up. We have nothing to offer. We have no reason for existing in life except how we impact the S&P. <laughs> okay, so I, I say no to that. I mean, it's, you know, uh, I can do better than that. Um, one of these days. I mean, yeah, and I was going to say, I, I think I know where it comes from, right? Because I think to a large extent, our industry has been sold as a hedge to equity. So if you include more equities on the long side, you you may not um, be able to deliver that hedge. But this is where the misunderstanding, um, in my opinion, starts, because I don't think we are a hedge to equities. We're an independent, uh, you know, hopefully uncorrelated return stream, and uh, which tends to make money when there are prolonged crises. But it's not meant to be, uh, certainly not in our opinion, it's not meant to be a quote unquote hedge. So whatever gives you um, you know the best long-term returns. Um, you know whether it's single stocks or, or or whatever it is. I mean, if if as long as we're transparent with our clients, they know what we do, and 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 there are some good solid reasons for why we do it, and we then go on to deliver what we said we're going to do. I think that's what clients um, you know will appreciate over the long run. It's also because the world benchmarks it benchmarks all of us against the S and P five hundred for whatever reason. It's yeah. not not only the uh, the crisis alpha, but I think every every manager out there uh, is benchmarked against the S and P five hundred completely, regardless of what they trade, whether that's event driven or global macro or systematic trend following. It's always against the S and P five hundred, and I think this is uh, this is where that's coming from. I yeah. think if you to 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 understand what's going on in the in the, in the market uh, beneath the index, you have to actually look at it and look at the stocks and see what's out there and. You mean you can you can have shorts on when the the fangs are driving the S and P to all time highs? Yeah, there was actually shorts out there, and now right. as the market is crashing, I was buying McDonald's, Walmart, 
uh, CVS, uh, Coke, Pepsi. Yeah, there's there's other things going on. It's like saying, oh, you mean to tell me that you could go long natural gas with the commodity indices making new lows? Yeah, of course you can. I mean, it's an index. It's a group of markets. Why don't you just trade the the group of uh, the commodity index? No, you're losing diversification. It's not a revolutionary idea. It's a total normal idea uh, that, you know, we, we, and another thing we don't, I don't, I know we don't, I'm pretty sure that very few people would uh, look at the back test and overweight markets that have done better, trending better. The sharp of, uh, it's, I'm always mystified by the sharp of crude, the sharp of sugar. <laughs> it's right. not that at all. We just look and say, okay, uh, crude, what's the correlation of crude to all the other markets? And uh, has nothing to do with past profit and loss. We trade bean oil, which I think has been negative for 50 years. And <laughs> cocoa I don't, probably hasn't made money ever, but it's in there. They're both very unique drivers. They're one of those 15 commodity markets that are somewhat unique and not really correlated to anything else. So we include it irrespective of it of its past P&L. So uh, you just can't get more robust and safe like that. Um, and obviously in a period where the S&P uh, did really well for most of this year, and and everyone knows it's driven by a few stocks, um, by definition, we tremendously underperformed. We had shorts. We didn't have sure. just those FANG stocks. We didn't have the index. So we even we're so goofy and crazy that we don't even care. We're we're trying to find shorts. We know that if we have shorts in a bull market or we have longs and shorts in the different sectors, we have done our job as risk managers, uh, trying to find lots of diversification. Uh, I'm not happy now that I'm a hundred percent. Every every currency I have on is short the dollar. Failure, nothing I can do about it. That's what the trends say. I prefer not to be that way. And to make less money if the dollar itself has a, a big up move. And and let's not forget that you know we 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 talk about well earlier we talked about market timing right but if, so if we just extend that uh, concept a little bit I mean market timing in terms of equities uh, is also relevant because I think the three of us probably shared between us um, there was an article about you know. You, the, the stock charts you never see, or I can't remember the right, right title of that paper, but where where basically they had analyzed stock markets and where there were many occasions where you had 10, 20, 30-year periods where there was absolutely no performance in the stock markets. And we just happen to be in a world now where the last 10 years has been fantastic for stock investors, and we probably know why um, that's been the case. Um, and it doesn't mean that the next 10 years will be great. Um, you know, so that, that, that is part of the concept as well. Um, we're right now being compared to the best performing sector market, uh, you know, in the world, but maybe if we're being compared to the same uh, market uh, 10 years from now, that comparison will put us in a very, very favorable position. So, um, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe one thing there, because you, you asked me about some news and I forgot to uh, to mention that very late last night, and that's probably the reason I forgot to mention it, but very late last night I watched the uh, Lee Cooperman interview on Real Vision. Not sure if you've picked oh, it yeah. up yet. I'm, it's on my and, and he was also today. like uh, asked on uh, what's your outlook on, on the stock market. And, you know, I think uh, us humans, we'd all say, well, the last 10 years, they have been absolutely great for the stock market. And therefore, maybe... 
um, there's a good chance that the next 10 years aren't going to be that good. Okay, fine, that's a possibility. The Cooperman said, well, there's also a very good chance that the next 10 years are going to be just fantastic um, because he said that compared to interest rates, the current price of the stock market still is relatively cheap. So he just, you know, compared it against the level of rates and he had apparently made an analysis of where stock market multiples were compared to the level of interest rates at the point in time. And he came to the conclusion that as of today, the stock market looks relatively cheap. Boom, there you have it. So make up your mind. What's right? Are you going to, going to have mediocre performance going forward or stellar performance? Who knows? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, one, of the, one, of the, one of the, another article I tweeted about this week was uh, <clears throat> five lessons we learned in the stock market or five takeaways. And they were pretty complex and pretty you know, interesting rules. And, uh, but then I just said, or you could, you know, it was five takeaways from being, uh, w- that we learned from GE, five mistakes we made, five lessons we made. Oh. And I listed the five. And at the very end, I said, or you could just, you know, not be long in a big downtrend. So I think that's going to work most of the time. These lessons, they come and go, they change, people change their minds about lessons. And what are these lessons? Uh, nothing's going to beat the subjective criteria of, apply my system. It's going to tell me every time if it's in an uptrend and if I have an edge and I should be buying. Yeah. I mean, now that we're talking about it, I, I, I also now remember something I saw on, um, in, in social media world. Um, and, um, and I think, you know, nowadays, obviously a lot of people have made uh, a lot of money on, on Amazon staying in the Fang world, but I mean, Amazon has been obviously one of the best performing stocks, but when you look at the Amazon chart, um, there is a 94% drawdown. <laughs> so yes. again, I mean, if let's not forget uh, those kind of uh, periods of time where, you know, most people probably wouldn't have stayed with that trade in when they, when they reached the 94% drawdown. True. True. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the most popular, more? Yeah, yeah, the most popular, yeah, let's go to the popular <clears throat> ones. Yeah. The most popular one this week was uh, something I said at the last time we recorded and I uh, got a lot of love from my followers. Um, I'll get out of this drawdown the same way I got in it, doing all of the systems trades. There is no acceptable substitute. I would do the same trades all over again, exclamation point. <laughs> so I like that for many, many reasons. That's great. I, um, as, I, as, as I mentioned uh, before we started recording today, I certainly saw that and, and shared that uh, with, with my colleagues. And uh, it's it's just so true. And, and so um, I'm glad so you, did I. you, yeah, you, you, you took that to the social media world in, instead of just leaving it in, in our little podcast world. So, um, yeah, well done. I remember back in the late 80s, um, my mentor being interviewed on CNN. I think they had just had a massive drawdown with some new funds. And uh, the interviewer was shocked that he would say, oh, I would do those same trades again. They're great trades are fantastic, but they didn't work. Well, there you have it. I mean, <clears throat> uh, is that how we're going to evaluate ourselves that these trades didn't work? Well, maybe they were large, maybe the drawdown was too heavy, maybe the risk control was too, was not um, conservative enough. But all of the trades we did to get ourselves in, in any situation, positive or negative, they were the right ones to do 
because we're all looking at this from a very long point term point of view. Um, so I like that. Uh, that's the bottom line yeah. for a system trader. You've got to it fall is. in love it, and embrace the system. Like, like it's the greatest thing ever. It's pros and cons. It's like your children, uh, who are not always perfect. Uh, everything about them. I love. It's not one mm. characteristic that I don't love about those kids. They're mine. And you get, you don't get, uh, every, everything that shaped them and, uh, their, their strengths and weaknesses. And the same way with these systems, if I have a great system and it has a really nice drawdown, I love it. That's, that's what the system does. So I'm going to embrace it and really fall in love with it and uh, be committed to it. Yeah. Yeah. The no, last no, minute I'm, of what just, what you just said, uh, that needs to be a recording for eternity. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Great analogy. Um, yeah. And I think that also, I mean, I think maybe this, I mean, this is probably our biggest, uh, I think task as, as people who deal on, on, you know, on with, with our investors and our potential investors, if we can somehow make them love or, or make them really truly buy the process rather than just buying the performance, right? If we can do that, I think we'll have happier and, 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 and most likely longer term investors. So everything you just said, if we can, you know, make that point, um, so that people truly agree with us and, and, um, so it's not about getting people to say, you know, yes to, you know, our, whatever, whatever we propose, it's, it's for them to say, that's right. That's exactly right. Exactly. And this is why we, we, that's why we should have, uh, you know, you in, in our portfolio. So I think that's our, that's our, our main objective here. Um, but unfortunately, you know, that's not exactly how uh, people are trying to promote this strategy. So anyways, so much good stuff, Jerry. I, can you keep going or was that uh, kind of the... Let's save something for next week. Yeah, let's save something for next week. Fair enough, fair enough. I've got a few uh, performance updates I can share. And these are again as a Thursday evening. So uh, I think Friday was... I think Friday was a good day, so I'm, I'm, these numbers, you know, could be a little bit better than, than what I'm quoting now. But as of Thursday, the B top fifty is down fifty basis points for the month of December, down five point seven two for the year. Sockgen CTA index down thirty seven basis points, down seven point five three for the year. Sockgen trend index down one point one four percent, down ten point zero one for the year. The Sockgen Short-Term Traders Index up 0.66%, uh, but down 0.86% for the year. And the Bridge Alternative Flat Fee Index uh, is down 1.07% and down 10.82% for the year. What else do you want to bring? Yeah, the reason why um, I guess we kept going uh, quite a while uh, on the tweets is that... Um, we didn't have any questions from listeners this week, so we will just say you know, we are very uh, much uh, encouraging you to send us some questions because we love uh, a challenge to uh, answer some of your questions instead of just what we thought was interesting. We're very interested in finding out what you think is interesting in this world. So by all means, uh, tweet us uh, the questions or send them to info at toptradersonpluck.com so that we can uh, dive into some of those uh, next week. Um, but um, anything, any sort of final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, anything to look forward to? Anything that has come up in our conversation that we should, um, that has inspired you, uh, 
Morris and Jerry to to touch on before we wrap up? Well, I'll think about it. Maybe next week we'll uh, we'll take a deeper dive into things. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Sounds good. Good. Well, on that happy note, so to speak, happy trading note. Um, let's uh, let that you forgot that, Morris. I mean, what's happening here? Well, let's we weren't wrap a, up we, this. we were thinking about closing up. So uh, <laughs> now, now here it comes. Happy trading. Happy trading. Okay, good, good, good. So, um, well, thanks so much anyways uh, to all of you for for being with us uh, on another edition of uh, The Systematic Investor. And uh, if you felt you got some value from today's conversation, please do share them with your own followers. And of course, we are always grateful if you would leave us a honest rating and review on iTunes so that we can spread the word of this particular podcast series. From Jerry, Moritz and me, thanks so much for listening and we look forward to being back with you next week. Thanks for listening to the Systematic Investor Podcast Series. If you enjoy this series, go on over to iTunes and leave an honest rating and review. And be sure to listen to all the other episodes from Top Traders Unplugged. If you have questions about systematic investing, send us an email with the word question in the subject line to info at toptradersunplugged.com and we'll try to get it on the show. And remember, all the discussion that we have about investment performance is about the past, and past performance does not guarantee or even infer anything about future performance. Also understand that there's a significant risk of financial loss with all investment strategies, and you need to request and understand the specific risks from the investment manager about their products before you make investment decisions. Thanks for spending some of your valuable time with us, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Systematic Investor.